This is Gilbert Andrew Garcia. Listen to my radio show, A Tip from Gilbert. Talk, inspiration, and prayer every Monday from 11 a.m. till noon on Houston's Gospel Leader, KWWJ. 1360 AM and streaming live on KWWJ.org. Listen on the legendary KYOK 1140 AM and streaming live on KYOKradio.org. KCOH 1230 AM, The Source. On San Geek Radio 95.1 FM 1460 AM. And Aliento Radio 101.7 FM and 1540 AM. Call in at 832 832- 2-570-8075 and follow me on social media. See you then. All right, Houston, here we are. This is Gilbert Garcia with a tip from Gilbert. Talk, inspiration, and prayer coming at you on the world-famous Keep Walking with Jesus, KWWJ, on KYOK, the legendary KYOK, on KCOH, The Source, and, of course, on Aliento Radio and Sangeet Radio. And don't forget, you can call me anytime. Thank you, Studio Audience, 832-570-8075. So there you have it. And we are celebrating the beginning of summer. I don't know if it's the beginning of the summer, but May 1st, and it feels like summer. I'm feeling good. So we're playing a little bit of what group represents the summer? The Beach Boys. Other than other than Donna Summer, but we'll just say the Beach Boys. Although I do like that toot toot, a eh? beep beep, and then the way. But here we go. I love this song. Go ahead and turn it back up there a little bit, uh, Mr. Producer. This is one of the greatest songs of all time. Oh, my, my. What a sensation. Oh, my, my. What elation. Got to get those loving, good vibrations happening. Oh, we lost it. But that's okay because we're going to keep talking anyway. Uh, I have a guest of mine today, Mark Delaney. Uh, welcome, everyone. Mark Delaney. Thank you. Mark, Mark Delaney is a is probably the single-handed most senior investment professional in bonds in America. I think you are. He's been managing bonds, aren't you? He's been managing he's been managing bonds for 40 years. And let me tell you, that is quite a feat. So just think about the number of bonds you have traded in your lifetime. It may be a trillion, who knows. At the end of the day, it's a lot. And I wanted to have Mark on the line. He happens to be one of my partners here at my firm. But the reason I wanted to have him is everyone keeps asking me, what is going on with the banks? And, you know, the banks are, are going under. There's already been two or three banks. And here we have another one today, First Republic, going under. And people say, how can that be? And Mark's going to talk a little bit about that with us here today on the show. And the other thing about these banks, of course, there are some people that make a whole bunch of money before they go under. And it's not right. And then at the end of the day, where are the regulators? And where are they sleep at the wheel? Because at the end of the day, a lot of these banks were investment-grade, high-quality banks just a week or two before they started to go under. Makes no sense. All right. And then, of course, we're going to talk today with a couple of people that are going to be my guests calling in. One of them is Representative Ron Reynolds. Representative Reynolds, of course, is the one that's bringing forth that legislation. You might remember we had a guest who talked about her son that was killed a year ago under the Harris County Police, uh, no, Harris County Sheriff's uh, Deputies uh, Watch in the jail. And what's interesting is I did not know that over 40 or so have died in custody in the last year and change. That makes no sense. So on the one hand, you seem like there's these, I don't know, these multiple crime and I don't, I'm going to use a word, killers and so forth that get out. And on the other hand, you got guys that are innocent and people that are innocent and they're dying in jail. I don't know, Houston. But, you know, if you're like me, you just want to ask these questions. How does that happen? Well, he's passing legislation that's going to talk about 
more transparency so people know what's going on, and the conditions are not great. In fact, they're horrible, and he's going to talk about the conditions. And then we're going to have my good friend. I can't help but to call him Chief, Chief Tom Lambert, but the reality is he hasn't been Chief of Police of Metro in, in some time because he's been Metro's president. And when I was yours truly Metro chairman back in 2010 to 16, we were the ones, I was the one that promoted him to CEO. Best thing I did during my tenure. The guy's fantastic. And let's find out from him, you know, what's changed in Metro in his 40-odd years of service, because it's been about 40-odd years, almost exactly to Delaney's 40-odd years. Then I'm going to ask him, what's changed at Metro? And then I'm going to ask him, where's the future of transit going? And let's see what he has to say. And then I'm going to have Christina Morales, our representative uh, from the East End. She's there in Austin with Ron Reynolds. And I just wanted Christina to call in to just talk about what is going on in Austin. Because as we know, it just seems to get meaner and meaner and meaner in Austin. I just cannot figure it out. Uh, there were a time when we had statesmen and everybody working together. And my goodness, we need that again. And Christina Morales is one of those that can, she's a Democrat, as am I, but we can work with Republicans. We have all of our lives, as so has she. But let's just find out what's going on. Of course, the two biggest issues seems to be teachers' pay as well as tax property taxes and what sort of tax cut should we have or not have and how to do it. And those seem to be the two, uh, what's the right word, hullabaloos or bugaboos or whatever you want to call it, the two big issues that keep people fighting. So we will hear from both of them shortly. And so let me ask my friend Mark Delaney. Mark, have you ever seen anything like this with these banks going under that were high quality investment grade and all of a sudden kaput, as they say? And have you seen that before? Uh, yeah, a couple of times throughout history. Uh, most recently during the GFC. What's GFC? So everybody knows. Lehman Brothers. Yeah, you Lehman, the great financial crisis when... Uh, Washington Mutual went over, uh, went under rather. That that is the biggest uh, bank bankruptcy in the U in U.S. history. But the scary thing is, uh, this year we've had three of the four largest bank bankruptcies in history. So you have Washington Mutual, then you have First Republic, then you have Silicon Valley Bank and Signature. So three of the top four bankrupt bankruptcies occurred this year. And why, and why now, Mark? What, what's going on that, I mean, why are they going under now? Well, <laughs> that's a good question. Uh, a couple of different reasons. Uh, you can't help but lay a lot of the blame on poor uh, bank regulators, regulatory efforts. And, and it's, it's more or less symptomatic of the environment created by the Fed, you know, keeping rates artificially suppressed. So it, it, explain to our listeners. So the Federal Reserve mm -hmm. is the part of the government that controls the money supply. Right. And they really do it by, well, they can buy securities and create money, or they can set the rate for short term for banks to lend to each other. Correct. Is that correct? Correct. And their mandate, the Federal Reserve is supposed to do what? They're supposed to keep full employment and low inflation. Is that right? More or less. Okay. So that's really what they are chartered to do by the government, et cetera. And so what you're saying is they kept rates low for a much longer period of time than they should have. And again, it was because of COVID. So you can't blame them for starting, but you sure can blame them for keeping them low for too long. Well, I, I would go back even further. I, I would go back to the great financial crisis that, that totally changed the way they sort of operate. So they've Ever since then, they've more or and less... To, well, listeners, so that's 2008, Lehman Brothers. 2008. Go ahead. Yeah, they've been basically providing a lot of liquidity to the banking system. Uh, you could almost argue excess liquidity. So they've provided a lot of deposits or reserves for banks. And so banks have got all that cash, all that liquidity, and obviously they're going to go out and make whatever loans or buy whatever securities they can to f funded by those deposits. Banks have a, a huge excess amount of deposits on hand. And so it's not a question of, you know, banks going bankrupt because of the lack of liquidity. It's almost because there's too much liquidity. Hmm. Okay. And so what that encourages, that encourages risk taking, that encourages this massive 
mismatch between the liquidity on the deposits and the liquidity on their assets, what they're buying, loans. So they have short-term deposits that people right. can take out any time. So that's really short-term. Yeah. But yet they're making long loans or they're buying long securities, and that's the mismatch. Correct. Well, yeah, and also uh, there's, a, there's a bit of, uh, I guess, social media involved here. So as, that's, as social media has become more and more popular, what that's led to is, is, is effectively it's accelerated the nature of bank runs. So mm. people communicate very rapidly about specific and banks. they say this bank's in trouble. Get your money out. Exactly. And so what that leads come to come on is that go what goes oh, on? Yeah, because because people can you know with 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 a few clicks they can they can transfer their bank deposits from one bank to a money market fund. Let's say. Wow. Well, you know, I remember that movie, uh, It's a Wonderful Life, right? Remember It's a Wonderful Life? Oh, yeah. With uh, Jimmy Stewart? Yeah. Houston, I'm sure we all love that movie. It's a holiday movie. We all love it. And remember the Bailey Building and Loan. Bill yeah. Bailey Building and Loan. That was essentially kind of like a bank. Uh, that's what it was. It was, a, it was the precursor to savings and loans. And their main thing is to lend money for housing. And I remember when there was a run on the Bailey building and loan because people were scared of what was going on. And he went there, Jimmy Stewart, and did not go on his honeymoon and used all his honeymoon money and said, well, how much money do you really need? And so one by one, he kept saying, I don't have all your monies. Yeah. I have, you know, my money, our money, your money is in your loan, your house, your house, your house. It's a very good lesson. And I've seen that clip in my economics class many times, many different years. So that's really what you mean here, that people can say something's not right. Take mm -hmm. your money out. And mm -hmm. now not only can you spread the word fast, yeah. but now you can take it out and move it around fast with online very, banking. Very fast. I mean, well. First Republic lost a hundred billion in deposits in in basically a month. Hundred okay. billion. Hundred billion. That's a B, Sil ladies and gentlemen. Silicon Valley Bank lost forty-two billion in two days. Forty-two billion. Now, with forty-two billion in two days. How big were they before that? Like forty-two billion out of what? 40, Do you remember? Forty-two billion out of say assets of two hundred two hundred billion. So like twenty-five percent of it just shrank, just like that. Yeah, and and because their assets are so illiquid. And, and in the case of Silicon Valley Bank, their assets were underwater, ironically, because the Fed raised rates. So the very, the very securities Silicon Valley Bank bought were basically their losses were caused by the Fed raising rates. Holy cow. So it's kind of this irony in there that... that uh, Irony or great Greek tragedy, <laughs> you know, because, uh, I mean, that's just terrible. Well, let's go back for a second because... Um, I want to make sure all our listeners are not panicking themselves because everyone's money, correct me if I'm wrong, Mr. Delaney, up to 250000 and that's a lot of money to just have, for lack of a better word, sloshing around in your account. But up to 250000 is protected, 100% guaranteed by the federal government. Is that correct? Yeah, the FDIC insures up to 250000 but the K... But the important point is, in all of these bankruptcies we've had this year, the depositors, whether they're insured or uninsured, have been made whole. Okay? So the, the, the investors that have gotten basically hit hard are the equity and bondholders. Well, some of these folks, though, had well over 250000 because some of these, like Silicon Valley, these are like wealthy, high-flying, highfalutin-type banks yep. with high-flying, highfalutin-type companies that deposit their money there and, and, and others, and they get other benefits by having their money there. There we go again, money begets money. And so some of them had deposits of like millions mm -hmm. is what I read. Mm -hmm. And they were made whole. And they were made whole. But you know what? Maybe they shouldn't have been made whole because maybe if you just automatically say, everyone's gonna be made whole all the time, doesn't that create bad behavior and these banks taking yeah. more risk than they should? Uh, it definitely creates a moral hazard so that's the trade-off though do you want to you know come across as rescuing you know individual depositors or do you want to play hardball and let the chips fall where they may well here's the thing as a normal citizen because i'm just a normal citizen you know here you have you know 
wealthy people, they should be sophisticated. If you got millions of dollars in the bank above the minimum threshold of 250000 you're a sophisticated investor. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if you have all this money there and it goes down, but yet you get bailed out, but then on the other hand, would they have bailed out a small minority-owned bank? Would they have bailed out small minority depositors that were maybe above 250, but not you know millions, um, you know a, a minority businesses? You know here we are. We won't even bail out uh, you know these uh, student loans that are an albatross. Is that the right word? Albatross, a big weight around the necks of young people. And of course, who are the people that take out student loans? Well, the people that can't afford to go to college, like me. I couldn't afford to go to college, and I had to max out on every student loan I could. So here on the one hand, the government is making decisions not to help people here. And then on the other hand, they're making decisions to help them here. And you know what? Who's really being even killed around here? Nobody. And who's watching out for the people? That's what bothers me. And so I think we have a caller now. Rep Morales. Okay, we have Christina Morales. Let's let Christina come on in. Uh, Christina Morales, are you there? I'm here. How are you, Christina? You are with me, Gilbert Garcia, tip from Gilbert Talk Inspiration and Prayer, with Mark Delaney. We're talking about, you know, bank failures and things of that nature. And, you know, there's really not a fairness here when, on the one hand, the government is bailing out fat cat depositors that have deposited millions in these banks. And they already know that, um, you know, that uh, they are not covered by insurance, but the government bailed them out. But on the other hand, the government doesn't want to bail out everyday students that all of a sudden are have an albatross of student loan around their necks. And these are people that are just trying to make it. People like me that could never afford to go to college without those student loans. So I don't know. You're, you're there in the pinnacle of power in Texas, there in Austin. And let me ask you, Christina, you've been a state rep now how long? This is your second term? This is my third Third term. Third term. Oh, my God. Yes. Christina, does time fly? Can you believe it? believe it? I mean, let me ask you this. When you were young, Christina, and you were just there growing up, did you ever think, I'm going to be voting on billions of dollars one day. Did you ever th- th- think of that? I sure didn't. I, I never, never in my wildest dreams would have imagined. But, you know, it was things like um, the Civil Rights Act that opened up so many doors for people like you, the story you just mentioned, and people like me to be to even be able to run for office. That's right. Uh, that created all the changes um, that, you know, we've been able to have some successes. But currently, right now in the state of Texas, they are um, actively uh, trying to defund DEI programs, um, which are the diversity, equity and inclusion programs, which have helped so many of us and would take us right back to those times when, um, you know, things just weren't fair. Let me ask you this. When you first came in, uh, Representative, I mean, is Austin, I'm just a citizen, but from the outside looking in, it seems that Austin is getting progressively meaner somehow. Am am I just like making that up because I don't know any better? Or do you feel it happening? Oh, I definitely feel it, um, Gilbert, and thanks for mentioning it because Listen, I mean, we knew after last session and we broke quorum to defend democracy that there were going to be some repercussions. And, you know, we're feeling them now. I mean, uh, Democrats as a whole aren't going to have any big wins this legislative session. We're actually fighting off, you know, terrible pieces of legislation. You know, we desperately do want to help uh, uh folks with property taxes we want to uh increase uh affordable housing we want to number one fund public education with this huge surplus of billions of dollars that we have i mean public education is so vital and important to all of our communities and currently the leadership is prioritizing a bill a a, a voucher bill uh, which would basically give a discount to people sending their children to private schools. Let me, let me ask you something, Representative. Uh, and I don't mean to cut you off. I apologize. But I just got so many questions on what you just said. So how do you get 
a surplus of $30 billion. I mean, I mean, that's the taxpayer's money. And if it's there, don't we want you to spend it on good things? I mean, don't we Absolutely. want don't don't we want you to invest in things and pay our teachers and don't don't we want that? We desperately need to spend it on our teachers and public education. I mean, this is a, a once in a lifetime surplus that we're looking at, and we should totally use it for the greater good. And if we have an educated state, we have a wonderful. Um, economic power here you know it's just all for the benefit of texans but you know so far that's not been our focus and we are um uh we are looking at a voucher bill that would basically give a discount to people who are sending their children to private school which nothing against the private school i sent my kids to private school but why would I want to get a discount and defund the public school system, which is so desperately needed in even rural areas where there no, are no options for private school? Wow, you know, I never thought of that. I, in rural areas, yeah. there are no options. I no, mean, there's, there's many areas where there are no um whatsoever when it comes to uh, private school. Maybe there's a way represented to have some sort of means test, which means... Um, if you're going to get this, whatever it might be, this voucher or this tax break or something for going to private school, your income level has to be below something. You know, maybe something like that to sort of, I don't know, thread the needle. Uh, do you think sanity will prevail and something like that happen? Well, you know what? The only good thing right now is that one of my colleagues did file a, uh, or did uh, pass an amendment on um, – um, on one of the pieces of legislation that was coming through and we um, and it states that none of our uh, budget would go towards um, private schools that it would only interesting go to public charter schools and and the and public schools so you're spared this legislative session but the governor continues to threaten to um, take us back into a special session should um, you know so that he can pass this priority for, um, you know, his priority, which is to um, to have these uh, vouchers available for private school students. But there are so many other things that we are um, fighting back. I mean, there is bills attacking the um, gay and lesbian community, you know, the LGBTQIA+, particularly transgender youth. Um, you know, it's 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 a misunderstood um, uh, demographic and the um, the leadership here is taking advantage of that by using it you know vilifying these people who so desperately need this medical care I and guess they want us to to not be able to do that and I mean quite literally parents are scared and wanting to move to other states where they feel more welcome you know representative the thing about it it seems to me is, you know, I don't know. I'm not as familiar with a lot of the issues and the medicalness of it and this and that. But at the end of the day, the population we're talking about is pretty small. And should aren't there like bigger priorities and bigger things like like crime or like the school, public schools and and our big state institutions, the, the great universities are unaffordable now. Aren't there bigger issues? Absolutely. This should not be a priority issue. Um you know, and you brought up something else, uh, crime. I mean, uh, we have we came into this session hoping and praying that something would be done for those, um, for, you know, the mass shootings that continues to be just killing our young students, our young kids in the state of Texas. I mean, uh, you know, the last I checked, there's still a killer on the loose who killed an eight-year-old child who was attending a public school in Cleveland, Texas. I mean, there was a, it was a mass shooting of five people in a home and um, it, it's just horrific. And, you know, the families from Uvalde have come here into Austin to advocate for uh, safety in our schools, but also, um, 
you know, just to address the gun violence that's going on, especially and particularly with assault weapons. Um, and we have done nothing on that front. Just think of uh, this, think, Representative. Think, think about having children today. I didn't mean to cut you off. I apologize. Think about kids that are, you know, 15, 14, 13. Like my daughter, Juju, just turned 16. Think what she's grown up with in her life now. She had COVID. She doesn't understand it. She just can't be with her friends for two years. And things are canceled, events and proms and graduations. And then they're seeing books. You know, she can read certain books now, but then all of a sudden she can't read them now. And all this sort of chaos and then, of course, now they're going through drills in case a shooter comes to their campus. And they read, it's almost like every other day somehow, that a shooting in a school, for crying out loud. And the other day I drove by and I saw a school that had barbed wire on the top of it. I'm like, God, that doesn't look like a school. That looks like a prison. But yet it's a school to protect the students. It makes no sense, Christina Morales. It makes no sense, Gilbert. You are absolutely right. Uh, you know, we just passed a piece of legislation that would uh, provide more guns in schools. Come on. Although it'll be, um, you know, student resource officers, but still, uh, I personally don't think the solution to ending gun violence is to put more guns in schools. I just think that um, there's better ways to handle this. And you know, um, the other side of the aisle claims that mental health is a big issue, but yet they still continue to vote against any legislation that would fund more mental health. So uh, more mental health programs. So, um, you know, it's just it, it's I'm sorry, but it is a little crazy here. It's a little stressful. You know, we'd like to see, um, you know, more investment in health care. We'd like to see expansion of uh, Medicaid and Medicare programs. Um, we want our seniors to be taken care of. We want kids to have health care. You know, you just mentioned COVID. I mean, uh, we learned so much during about the disparities during COVID. Yeah. But but we're but sadly, those are not the priorities oh. um, this legislative session. But you know, um, I love what you do to continue to raise awareness and keep folks engaged and you know there's elections coming up in november and we need to make sure everybody gets out to vote amen they're talking to the people running for office and 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 asking them what are your priorities because these these are the things that are happening in our community you know it's fine it's hard to find affordable housing we want to make sure our public schools are well funded we want to make sure teachers want to teach and and um, and that we're keeping them um, happy, you know. That's right. Happy teacher. <laughs> that's exactly right. <laughs> so the, the, much. That's right. The students will know. Well, you know, Representative. Let me just say this in closing: is, you know, you did not say this, but I'm going to say it. I know I've never been a state rep, but I know how hard it is in the session because I remember reading about it and talking to state reps, and it's six months of just twenty, almost twenty-four-seven work, and there's stuff late at night hearings and you're sleeping in your office almost and it's just it's just so much effort I, I thank you for your service and I also know you didn't say this but it's got to be I don't know hard frustrating going to work every day and you feel like I'm playing defense I'm playing defense and when can we play some offense for the good and I just want to say on behalf of Houston uh, we really uh, thank you for hanging in there and for staying in there and if anyone can work across the aisle, it's you. So please keep going. And we got your back, lady. Thank you so, so much, Gilbert. And if you'll let me just real quick uh, say that we are in our district 145. We are hosting a food drive coming up on May 13th. And we also are working on a um, 4th of July Independence Day type of festival, which will be on the weekend before 4th of July. Of course, we have our school supply giveaway, which is always in August that we're, um, we've are we planned. And then we have our, our big uh, fundraiser, which is our Death by Chocolate, Dia de los Muertos gathering in October. So please follow our social media page, uh, Christina Morales, District 145, for many free events and many uh, uh, not fundraisers for nonprofits. And thank you so much for all you do.
Well, my player, Houston, listen, support her. Support those things in 145. Get engaged. Get involved. That's how change happens. We just had Christina Morales. I'm hugging you in cyberspace. You can't see me, but I really am. And, uh, <laughs> and, and count me in. I want to I help on those things. So just let me know. Of course. Of course. Thank Th you so much. Thank you, Representative. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Okay. I'll talk to you now. One All right. We have another caller already. And is this, the, is this uh, Chief Lambert? Chief Lambert. Hey, Mr. Chairman, how are you? Chief sir? Lambert, Houston, let me just introduce to you one of the, just one of my favorite people and just an incredible citizen and leader. And I, I can't help but to call him Chief Lambert because once a chief, always a chief. Uh, but he was our police chief at Metro for many years and he's been our president and CEO of Metro now. Uh, chief, is it going on 13 years? Well, we're going on about 11 years. Now, 11 Mr. years, Chairman. excuse me, 11 years. Uh, and so, Chief Lambert, welcome to the show. You are talking to five different stations uh, here throughout Houston. And let me just say, Chief, boy, I will, I, if, if I were king or mayor, I'd make you chief for life. Um, not chief, well, <laughs> CEO for life. I keep saying chief, Chief, but CEO <laughs> for life. Let me ask you something there, uh, Chief, which is when you came to Metro, how long ago was that? I actually have had the opportunity to be uh, – uh, active at Metro since 1979. 1979. Came in October of 1979. Did you ever dream? And I'm going to keep calling you Chief, even though you're the CEO. But because I, you know, because I just can't help it, Chief. When you were there in 1979, 1980, when when Metro really started, and you were there, did you ever dream we'd be here? Did you ever dream that we would have all these HOVs and that we would have 1,250 buses and they'd be Wi-Fi? Who even knew what Wi-Fi was? And that we'd have 22 miles of light rail. Did you ever dream any of that? Didn't dream it, but you know, very proud of it. When you come from a standpoint that in 1979, Metro actually only had one maintenance facility and operating facility. Come on. It was out off of Milby Street and every time it rained, you had water in the maintenance pit. Come on. So. We've come a long way and very proud to have been a, a, a participant in that journey along Metro's history. That is phenomenal. So, Chief, let me ask you this. What, what has been like, you know, if you look back in your career, and hopefully you don't retire for another uh, 11 years, 12 years. If you look back, what will you say, you know what, I am so proud I was part of that organization because we did this. What are some of the thises? Well, some of the, this is this one, I'm very proud of the people at Metro. They're really very passionate about public service and they're committed to make sure that everything they do every day improves the quality of life for this community. And it may be one customer at a time or one member of the community at a time, but they're very committed to that. A lot of things I'm very proud of, but I will tell you how the agency has responded uh, to support this community during natural disasters, Hurricane Harvey, the winter, storm and then quite frankly the pandemic what the pandemic really demonstrated building upon the service this agency brings to the community as part of responding to hurricane harvey the winter storm other natural disasters is our ability to really serve this community during very very challenging times and if you look at the pandemic uh, didn't skip a beat we got people uh, to the texas medical center to support clients that needed health care got workers to jobs to support this community, uh, continue to make sure that as we had to adapt during the pandemic, uh, the organization and the people in the organization were very adaptable to serve this community, whether it was uh, delivering food to individuals uh, that were disabled and could not leave their homes or delivering personal protective equipment to individuals that did not have access. So I'm very, very proud of the public service passion uh, the employees at Metro have and their ability to adapt when we need to adapt to serve this community uh, under very challenging times. I think that's great. You know, when I was, uh, I was chairman of Metro from 10, 2010 to 16, and I got to see firsthand what you're saying. Uh, at the time, I think we were like 3,200, 3,300 full-time employees. We're probably closer to 4,000 now. Is that kind of right, Chief? We're, yeah, we're about 4,200 employees 4, now. Yes, sir. And you know what? When you're with the employees, they do feel this. Um, 
I don't know, like it's a mission, a mission from God to make sure Houston's working. You know, it's really a cool thing. And, and you get that feeling, you, you, you get it from the driver, you get it from everybody. I think that's the culture of the agency, and I think that, uh, you know, every great organization is great because of the people in the organization. Amen. We talk a lot about technology. We talk a lot about the things we can do uh, institutionally, but when you really get down to the final analysis, it's the people that drive the organization. and. Uh, they do have a passion for public service. Amen for that. And, you know, Chief, I won't keep you too much longer, but just a couple more things, if you don't mind. You know, I look at Metro, and, and you know, it's election season, so you get a lot of the same old, same old voices now. Oh, look at Metro, and I see the rail, and it looks empty. And, you know, and, and what those people don't understand is they don't have the facts. Because if you look at things like our light rail system, particularly the red line, which is up and down the Main Street artery, uh, it is one of the most successful in America uh, with ridership. And the other thing about it is, imagine life without rail for a second. Do you think for one second, Chief, we could pull off the final four? The Texans could do what they do. The rodeo could exist the way it does. Because every time I'm at the rodeo or any of these big events, it is packed. You cannot drive in there. And if you did not have rail that drops you right there, how in the world could we handle another 10,000 cars on 610 or something like that? Am I right, Chief? It just seems to me that these people are misinformed. Well, let me give a perfect example. We just hosted, as you mentioned, the NCAA Final Four. Over four days, we carried over two, about 200,000 people on rail to get from downtown to NRG Stadium for the NCAA Final Four. Wow. So the movement and carrying capacity to move people on rail, bus rapid transit, transit, you know, is uh, it's a tool by which we can address uh, how people move safely and efficiently in this region. And it goes all the way back to 2019 when the voters approved the Metro Next plan yep. to expand 500 miles of travel improvements. The community's yearning for more travel options, and that vote was almost 70% in favor. So. We know that people in this community are looking for opportunities to move with multiple options where they need to go in this region safely and efficiently, and that's what we're intending to deliver this community. And Houston should know, and the county, because remember, we serve not just the city of Houston, but we serve the whole county, and we serve, of course, all of our multi-city partners, uh, that going into downtown or in the medical center, almost a third of the people who work at either one of those come in on a metro service. I mean, that's pretty amazing. Chief, let me ask that you this. That is amazing. And it, I'll use pre-pandemic numbers because we're still growing ridership yes, after the pandemic. But prior to the pandemic, 37% of the work trips downtown came by a metro vehicle. That's, a, metro that's unbelievable. Chief, come on, that's unbelievable. So I'm going to ask you the hard question here, Chief. It'll be the last one here for us, but it'll be a hard one, which is, so you started in 1980 plus or minus, and here we are 2023. So the next 40 years, when I'm talking to you in the 2063, because you and I are going to be alive and we're going to be here, let me ask you this. What do you think is the future of transit? I mean, what, what, I mean, can you even, maybe it's too far away. Maybe we really should just think about 20 years. But what do you think the future is? Well, I'm going to give you in snapshots. I think the next 20 years, we need to deliver the Metro Next plan the voters approved. Amen. And I mentioned earlier, that's uh, 500 miles of travel improvements, expanding bus rapid transit, expanding the existing rail lines. You know, Mr. Chairman, as you recall, we redesigned the entire bus network back yes. in 2015. We're now taking that foundation system and making it better. So we have 17 uh, boost corridors, making those corridors much more efficient, uh, in, enhancing the customer experience. We've got a commitment to universal accessibility, making sure that all of our 9,000 bus stops are compliant with the Americans with Disability Act. We now have curb-to-curb -curb services that connect uh, neighborhoods to uh, long-haul transit, if you will. So I think building upon all those things are extremely important and making sure that the customer experience is better with more bus shelters, uh, next bus arrival information that stops and really building off that. But I think in the next 40 years, Metro continues to be a mobility integrator, looking at all opportunities to move people in this region. 
you know, we, we fund a lot of things for our general mobility program, working with the city, the county, and the multi-cities, as you mentioned, and the opportunity to make sure that transportation improvements, again, help people, whether they're walking, riding, riding bikes, using transit, or even driving cars. How do we make sure that we're coordinating and collectively doing all the things we can do? So Metro in the next 40 years will continue to adapt, whether it's connected or autonomous vehicles that we've already tested in the region and see those opportunities going forward and embrace technology and the changes that will come. So that's what I see Metro in the next 40 years. It's gonna be beautiful, the future, Chief. Real quick, Chief. so Metro, we have our ridemetro.org website for listeners out there and what they can get information and they can even, uh, they can apply for jobs, they can put a destination, get point to point, how to get there, what bus route. Uh, is it ridemetro.org, Chief? Yes, sir, it's ridemetro.org and everything they need, they can go there and plan their trips, find out about Metro, uh, go to the mobile app, uh, anything they need, they can go to that site and it'll get them where they need to go. So we have a mobile app, as well and then chief is there a general phone number for metro is just a you know call metro ask questions 713-635-4000 there you go 635-4000 chief you are a patriot thank you for being on the show thank you for all that you do and on behalf of uh, a tip from gilbert and frankly all of houston please thank all the workers and all the family there at metro force We'll do it, Mr. Chairman. Thank you very much. Thank you, Chief. Ladies and gentlemen, that was Chief Tom Lambert. Of course, he's our CEO. He's been there 11, 12 years, but he's been with Metro since 1980. Pretty amazing. And I really mean it. Hopefully, he'll be here another 40 years. We have another listener calling. Uh, Let's see who we got. Stay there, team. We have Jesse. Jesse, are you there, Jess? Jess. Is there a Jesse? Hello, Jesse. Jesse, talk to me, pal. Hold on, Houston. Hello. We got a Jesse. I'll turn for you right now. I'll turn for you, Jesse. Jesse, you there? Jesse is on the line. Jesse, you there, pal? Jesse, you there, Jess? Yes, sir. How are you, Jess? You got me. Gilbert Garcia, tip from Gilbert. We've had a pretty good show. We've talked a little bit about the banking issue, and I'm going to close with my good friend Mark Delaney about some of that madness. We've had a great conversation with Christina Morales as she's talked about some of the challenges there in Austin. And then we just had a phenomenal conversation with Chief Tom Lambert, the CEO of Metro, and where Metro's been and where Metro's going. So what do you got for me, Jess? I just want to, first of all, just congratulate you for putting your hat in the ring for for mayor, and uh, you definitely have my support. Oh, well, thank you, Jesse. Well, I appreciate that. I'm going to start talking more and more about that as time goes on, but thank you very much for for that, Jesse. Number two, I just heard you were speaking at Yale University, so congratulations on that. I know that must have been a real honor. Well, I'll tell you, I spoke to about, uh, I don't know, 175 people, it's called First Gen Yale, which means all the, uh, it was a conference for people that are the first time generation college who went to Yale as I was first gen. And they had the CEO of Avon, the CEO of Bath and Body Works, and they had other professors, the president of Yale University. And I was the keynote speaker at the dinner Saturday night. And I gotta tell you, Jess, number one, I love Yale. And I love the campus and I just enjoy being at the campus. And I love bright young people. And of course the age group was pretty spread out. They had people and frankly, there was a a young lady, Elizabeth Welcome, who was a classmate of mine. She goes, Gilbert, I saw you were speaking, so I had to come. And uh, and then I saw another gentleman who worked with me at Solomon Brothers in 1987, 88. So it was very, very cool. So thank you for that, Jess. And then the last thing, uh, I know you're talking to Chief from Metro, and just this Saturday I was going to call and let you know, my I was at a leadership conference at the Center of Pursuit, which is located right on the Harrisburg and Eastwood, and I saw about 10 Metro vans dropping off disabled adults there that were uh, working for Saturday, make working half a day to make uh, some money. So, you know, it was great that uh, Metro was able to deliver those handicapped and disabled adults 
so Warwick can, you know, help their self-esteem to make a little money. And I just really, it really touched me. And I just wanted to, because I have a disabled son, and I just want to thank you, Gilbert, for making that happen. You know, it, it really touched me. And I know that you'll do, be doing a lot greater things when you become mayor of Houston, and that's it. Jesse, that's beautiful. Let me ask you this because you're the man on the know. So tonight, I'm going to try to make this. There's a candidate um, questionnaire type forum. Tell us where that is. Do you have that information handy? Uh, no, sir. Okay. Sure that's right okay. Now. Well, let me ask you this. Do you know any information about um, the Cinco de Mayo parade? Yes, sir. That's going to be uh, this Saturday. It starts at 10 o'clock. Uh, you can talk to Herlinda Garcia about signing up. Uh, they're still taking uh, entries. Uh, there's different prices, like for nonprofit, corporate, and and politicians that want to get in there. And it's looking like it's going to be a nice parade. They haven't had a parade in three years. Oh my goodness, we haven't had a parade in three the, years because of the COVID. So they're looking forward for a really great parade this year. Well, my it's view is Saturday. Saturday downtown, 10 o'clock. Amen. You know what? My view is make those politicians pay a lot of money. So get, make make <laughs> charge charge them a little more because, you know, you know, you know what I mean there, Jess? Let's do that. Yes, and that means including me because at the end of the yes, day, sir. it's for the people. And we want to get as many participants that we can. And, and we don't want money to be the issue that they can't participate. So, Jess, I really appreciate you. You're a gentleman. You really are a Houston treasure. So we'll see you next time there, uh, Jess. Thank you, pal. All right. God bless you. Gilbert. Yes, sir. And you too. Hello. Let's see if Mr. Ron Reynolds is going to be calling us. I sure hope he will. He wanted to update us on the bill. Do we have another caller there? Jacqueline Griffin. We have another uh, caller there. This is Gilbert Garcia. Jacqueline, are you there? I'm here. How Jacqueline. are you? I'm hanging in here, Gilbert. How are you doing? I'm doing all right. I've been thinking. Awesome. I've been thinking a lot about you, and of course, we've been waiting for Representative Reynolds to call in. He's supposed to call in, producer. If y'all could just give him a shout and see if he's free, uh, because I know as we had you on our show uh, a couple weeks ago, and I know he was uh, working on the legislation. I wanted him to give us an update, but you could tell us what's it like to have so many people rally around you, and so many people to say. Holy cow, how can we have over 40-odd people dying in sheriff deputy custody? Um, you know, in many ways, your son is probably going to change the whole system. How's that? I mean, tell us about it. How are you feeling? You know, it's a really bittersweet feeling, mm -hmm. um, the good with the bad. And I definitely, first of all, Gilbert, I got to thank you for just continuing to have such a great community efforts of support out there where you're putting airways out there for people to be able to hear you in the name of Jesus. I appreciate that. Amen. Um, the bitter and the sweet times of just experiencing my son's death has been the worst thing ever. Mm. However, the good thing is to be able to help someone next mm -hmm. and that's my thing being able to help someone that's the most and the biggest important thing there is however the bill that we've uh, introduced that representative ron reynolds has authored for me and my family along with this whole united states we're able to see the force and we'll be able to see a change because this bill has studies that are be able to be performed, you know, by outside agencies. Therefore, Harris County Jail will not have so many citations and they won't have so many eyes on them. These studies will help them in so many ways for the welfare of the detainees, along with their policies and procedures as well. Well, Ms. Griffin, let me ask you, uh, and I know hopefully Representative Reynolds will call, but if he doesn't, it has passed the House. Is that correct? Yes, sir. It's my understanding, Gilbert, that this little bill, we went down there on, on the 19th. And thanks to your contributions and everyone else, we were able to take a van load of people there. Amen. And we just swapped 
we just totally shocked everyone with so many participants and everybody testified on that the bill on that hearing. And it's my understanding it was supposed to go to another committee, but the poor little bill skipped that committee and it swept through the House unanimously. Wow. Wow. Yes. Yes. Wow. To the Senate. Oh my so, God. And yes, really, the, what, what the bill does, it brings transparency and accountability, right, to the jail. Correct. And some yes. other improvements on, I don't know, AC or crowding and those sorts of things. I mean, Correct. it's just humane. Uh, well, let me yes. ask you this. So it passed the House. I guess, is Senator Miles carrying the bill in the Senate? Yes, he is. Okay. Senator Miles is going to be carrying it in the Senate. Well, hopefully we get it through the Senate. And for all our listeners, remember, the way our government works is you have a House of Representatives and then you have the Senate. So you have two different parts of the government. And a bill, which is just the beginning of law, has to be approved by the House and mm -hmm. then introduced and approved by the Senate. And mm -hmm. once it's approved by both, it goes into committee and they work out any differences in case they're not exactly the same. And if it uh, is exactly the same, well, then you're home free. If it's not, it'll come back. And then ultimately, when it passes both the House and the Senate, goes to our governor for signature so into law. Um, but I mean, you know, who can be against this? You know, I, I can't imagine anyone against this, Ms. Griffin. Correct. At that first hearing, um, our uh, representative uh, Rosenthal, he was one of the first. Oh, I, was I so love happy that man. To I, say I'm for this bill. I was like, oh. Yeah, I love, I love that man. He's such a good, He's stable awesome. guy. Yeah, I uh, yes. Representative Rosenthal, if you're out there, you got fans down here. Yes, he was. He was the first one. He was awesome, as well as I had some random supporters from right here in Houston and Harris County. Um, different people came and they testified saying that you know they were for the bill and they said they got so many people even on email chains for the bill house Wonderful. bill 3434 3434 do you know what the senate bill number is the senate bill number is the same number and they're going to name it after evan griffin lee oh my goodness i just yes. want to that want to cry to that you know but cry, yes. tears of joy uh, yeah. Well, Houston, remember, it ain't over till it's over, as they say. So That's please right. call Senator Miles and say thank you, Senator Miles, and ask him if there's something we can do or not do to help him get it through the Senate and so we can become law for all of humanity. Uh, and so then there won't be more families like the Griffin family that have a terrible, terrible, you know, losing a child is probably the worst thing for a parent, but the circumstances of how he passed or what's even worse because it's so unjust well miss griffin i'm going to give you the last word what do you want to say to houston here in the last minute or two i just say to houston as a wonderful city and all the great leaders out there that we have got to just pay more attention to our policies and procedures that's in place and even though the fundings may not be there, when we're dealing with our human beings, we just have to be more thoughtful in the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you again, Gilbert. Amen. Ms. Griffin, I'm hugging you on the phone. Let me know where we're at. And when this becomes law, because I just believe it, it will come law, yes. we're going to celebrate and have you back on the show. Yes. Thank you. Thank you, madam. Of mm -hmm. course, that was Ms. Griffin Lee, of course. And, you know, her son, of course, Evan was killed murdered really uh we don't well, actually we don't even know that's even worse uh while in harris county deputy custody in harris county jail and so she has been the catalyst talk about a determined mother you know the, the power of a mother is extraordinary but when you've got a determined mother boy you can move heaven and earth and you can create new law so let's go back to my friend mark delaney we have a few more minutes mark what do you think the answer is uh, on preventing these sorts of, like, all of a sudden the bank's a great bank, and then all of a sudden it's investment grade, which means it's, you know, high quality, and then, bam, it's gone. Well, the uh, the first answer is for the Fed to stop, you know, artificially manipulating interest rates and uh, the banking system. Yeah, don't they basically. know they're hurting us? 
I mean, uh, my goodness. I mean, yeah. they, they live in a bubble, I think, right? Maybe it's because it's the Washington thing, or maybe it's because they're all like either A, academic types, or maybe they're just rich people, but they don't understand the everyday people out there and what it means to be raising rates. Yeah, well, it's, it's largely... Everyday people like me. <laughs> it's largely symptomatic of them not really... It's pri They're prioritizing dealing with these, you know, immediate emergencies and sort of they're willing to to take on the uh, long-term implications of which these three bank bankruptcies are, are sort of represent and let me let me just ask you this is it just my perception because i just don't know what i'm talking about that seems like the fed they're always reacting always always reacting yeah I mean, what? It just seems like every time there's been a crisis, they've been behind the curve on the timing. And it's almost like, this sounds strange, but like they create the crisis or they make it yeah. deeper than it has to be somehow. Yeah, this is not something new. This has been going on for a while. It's been going on ever since the, the dot-com bubble, if you yeah. will. Well, I guess I will summarize it by saying, Houston, this is why it's important to vote. And this is why it's important to get... Uh, elected officials that care, that are going to be informed, and that are going to be responsive to you, and to get out these people that have been there, these you know professional politicians that have been there forever, and they're not doing anything except lining their pockets for goodness sakes, and we need people that can see all the areas and are willing to take on some of these institutions that we think are so incredible, whether it's the Fed or Treasury or any of these other bureaucracies, to take them on so they can better serve all of us as citizens and Americans. Uh, and so, uh, Mark Delaney, I want to thank you for being here. Do you want to say any last words to Houston? Say hi to your son, Mikey, and, and your grandkids there. Hey, Michael. Hey, Caroline. Hey, Rosie. <laughs> uh, my la last words I'd like to say is vote for Gilbert. <laughs> Well, Mark, I'm going to be hugging you here right now. Thank you, pal. That's very nice of you. So, Mr. Producer, let's go ahead and tee up as the beginning of summer. Uh, I don't know if it's necessarily the beginning of summer. When I hear May 1st, remember the old saying, May flower? No, April showers bring May flowers. I don't know how I taught, was taught that, but I was. Let's just hear this incredible song, one of the best songs of all time, by the best summer band of all time, the Beach Boys, Good Vibrations. Enjoy Houston. And again, we're here every Monday. I'm picking up good. I mean, I just love this. And, and all the bop, bop, all that. I mean, all that in the background, the melodies, the harmonies. I just wish I could sing like that. Listen to that. And it builds and builds and builds. Wow. I'm ready to get on my surfboard, if I could surf, uh, but, but I wish I could surf. No, I just want to tell everyone, um, again, vote, vote, vote. Get involved in your church. Get involved in your community. Hug those young people because think how confusing it is for them. And we need to give them hope uh, that all the great things that we've enjoyed will be there for them. Here we go. Follow me on social media, all those things. I'm on Facebook. I'm on Twitter. I'm on everything. Um, please follow me and enjoy. And they have so many incredible instruments in this song. Wow. Think about what was in someone's mind when they wrote this song, right? How could they come up with this? I just know, row, row, row your boat. That's all I know. Come on, listen, enjoy Houston. This is my favorite part where it kind of goes slow. Gotta keep those Love and good vibrations are happening with her. Hopefully I'll be on at least another minute to get the best part when it goes, ah!
Here we go. Here we go, baby. I'm getting on that surfboard. Houston, I think we're rolling off here. We're at social media. We're going to cut this off here. I'm going to let my good friend Mark Delaney look in that camera and talk to social media, and then I'm going to close this out. Go ahead there, Mark. Good to be here. There you Thank go. You. There you go. And this is Gilbert Andrew Garcia of a tip from Gilbert. Talk, inspiration, prayers, saying we will see you next time. This is Gilbert Andrew Garcia. Listen to my radio show, A Tip from Gilbert. Talk, inspiration, and prayer every Monday from 11 a.m. till noon on Houston's Gospel Leader, KWWJ. 1360 AM and streaming live on kwwj.org. Listen on the legendary KYOK 1140 AM and streaming live on kyokradio.org. KCOH 1230 AM, The Source. On San Geek Radio 95.1 FM 1460 AM. And Aliento Radio 101.7 FM and 1540 AM. Call in at 832 570-8075 and follow me on social media. See you then.